If you turn to John chapter 9, if you haven't already done so, we'll pick up in verse 13. And we're going to finish the ninth chapter. And this whole remaining portion of this chapter really leads to chapter 10. And again, remind yourselves that the chapter and verses were not in the original writing. So uh, this would be a long series of of windows into the life of Jesus. And now we're going to pick up three of them before we get to Jesus as the I am who is the door and Jesus as the I am who is the good shepherd. This kind of sets the tone uh, for those two messages And so we get three windows that involve this man who was formerly blind, who can now see, and he's going to be confronted by religion. We will be confronted by religion. There are people whose lives actually are governed by tradition and religion more so than they are the Word of God or their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so as we dig in, we'll pick up in verse 13. Let's pray together and ask God to speak through the power of his word. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for sending Jesus. Lord, that this this formerly blind man who was a beggar has now been given his sight. And and Lord, he's going to be used uh, to speak to us today. And so we pray that these words would be life to us. We'd understand them and know what your spirit has to say and God, we ask that you would bless us with your presence, uh, instructing us right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 13, John chapter 9, and they brought him who was formerly blind to the Pharisees. And so here's the man who just has this experience with Jesus. Jesus has spit into a bunch of dirt, turned it into mud, put it in the man's eyes, told him to go to the pool of Siloam. He washes it, comes back, and he can see. And so the Lord Jesus has done this miracle. It's irregardless of religious tradition. It's about as out of the norm as anything can get. It's against medical practice. It's against religious practice. Jesus has done everything wrong. But the man can see. It's this beautiful story. And now it was Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. And when the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight, He said to them, he put clay in my eyes. I washed it and I can see. He's just recounting what he knows. You know, so very often religion is looking for the details when in fact we have just intercepted the grace of God. We've just come in contact with a a step of faith in our lives. We, We really don't have all the explanations for how God does what God does. And this man is absolutely in that place. All of a sudden, all he knows is I was formerly blind. I used to not be able to see. I absolutely know I can see. And I know three other things. He put mud in my eyes. I washed it. And now I can see. And so he doesn't have a long theological oration to give to the Pharisees. He doesn't have a huge religious tradition to recount to the Pharisees all he knows is he can now see. And therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Does anybody find that almost laughable? Here is a man whom has sat at the Eastern Gate for his entire life. He was formerly blind And now he can see, and the only thing the Pharisees can say, the religious legalists, 
the moralist, the law keeper, is he did it on the wrong day. Don't you think if you had an ounce of the love of God in you, that you would be going, praise the Lord, the guy can see. Amen? But instead, you did it on the wrong day. It's against the rules. It's against tradition. You see, that's what religion always does. It finds a way to complain about grace and to complain about faith. Notice how this continues. The others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there is division among them. Now they're starting to argue with each other. And you're going to find that within religious legalists, people who are more looking at tradition and law, people who are more concerned with the how instead of the who, you'll always find that they do not agree with one another either. Usually the complainers complain about each other. And they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes? Notice the simplicity with which he answers. He said, he's a prophet. I don't know everything about him. What the Jews did not believe concerning him, that had been blind and received his sight, until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. Now, I love this. The guy was formerly blind. You would think he would know that. These guys had passed by him probably every day coming and going through the Golden Gate. They had seen him before. They had watched him throughout most of his life begging. He's standing there following them with his eyes. It's like, yeah, I can see. But they don't even believe that it's him. They don't believe he can see. And so when you don't believe someone, the best thing to do is call their mom. (laughs) And they asked them, saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? Now they're going to attack poor mom and dad on top of it. Okay, well, he says he was blind, but we don't know if it's actually him, even though we've seen him here for 27 years. But he could have been fooling us all along, and you say he was blind too, don't you? How then does he now see? Tell us what happened. We want to know. We have inquiring minds. We want to know what happened to this man. Can I tell you that there are an awful lot of people that I bump into and they will tell me about their testimony and what God has done that they do not have any reason whatsoever, no explanation. All I know is that I was formerly in this bad relationship. I was formerly a thief. I was formerly a violent person. I was formerly a liar. I used to do all kinds of things and all I know is I met Jesus and I no longer do those things. Amen? Or they were actually sick. They had cancer and God touched them. And the doctors are going, I don't know what happened, but all I know is he doesn't have cancer anymore. She doesn't have cancer anymore. 
We didn't do radiation, but they don't have cancer. We don't know what happened. You see, this is your testimony. Don't let anyone rob you of your testimony. Just because you can't explain all of the steps. Well, you know, scientifically, the mud contains certain bacterium, and those bacterium attached themselves to the cells within the eyes, and of course, that began to work on them, and instantaneously, no, it was a miracle. He was blind. Jesus spit in the dirt. Put it in his eye. He went to the pool of Siloam. It was not the spit. It was not the dirt. It was not the water in Siloam. It was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that healed him. Amen? And probably many of us could say, all I know is I used to be a drunk. All I know is I was a drug dealer. All I know is my life was a mess. All I know is I was not right in my head, but he touched me and he made me whole. That's what I know. Don't let a bunch of religious legalists or anyone else tell you that you don't know that God touched you. Now check this out. And his parents said and answered, we know that this is our son, duh, and we know he was born blind. Again, duh. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, that's him, and he was blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. His parents do not know the Lord Jesus yet, and they are just as dumbfounded as the Pharisees. And when people who don't know the Lord see what's going on in your life, they are going to be just as dumbfounded as the Pharisees. They're not going to have an explanation for it. They won't be able to explain it. We don't know. Or who opened his eyes? We do not know. We weren't there. I love this. He's old enough. Why don't you ask him yourself? (laughs) He is of age. Ask him. He'll speak for himself. He's beyond 12. He's outside of our realm of jurisdiction. He can speak for himself, which is what they've already done, by the way. The parents are basically going to pass in the buck. It's like, talk to him. We don't know. He's our son. He used to be blind. And his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. Notice how they didn't even want to get involved in the thing. They were so afraid of what man would think. You know, it's amazing how many people back off of telling their testimony because they're afraid to say, Jesus healed me. I used to be a drunk. Jesus healed me. Our marriage was a wreck, but Jesus healed it. I used to do everything I could to try and harm people, but Jesus touched me and gave me a heart of very soft clay. You you see, we are in the same place, this man. We may not be physically blind, but we all have our blind spots, amen? Places where grace has touched you. Don't fear the Jews. Don't fear those who may not agree with what you know has happened. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, they'd put him out of the synagogue. And therefore his parents said, 
He's of age. Ask him. So this first window was really the window of religion. And religion had never had anything for this man. And while I'm not talking about church attendance, I'm not talking about Bible reading, and I'm not talking about Bible studies or worship times, I'm talking about religion that overlooks the reality of the resurrection. I'm talking about religion that takes the relationship out of, out of the wonderful plan of salvation. We now have a relationship personally with the only begotten Son of God by grace and through faith. They wanted to control everything. They wanted to say, look, you, you, you didn't do this right. You can't heal this guy on the Sabbath. Can I tell you, those people still exist. I get e- emails from them occasionally. And it comes like this. I can't believe you let people read their Bible on their cell phone in church. That's not from God. That's an electronic device that's connected directly to the internet. The devil is on the other side of that. Now, while there may be some truth that the internet is filled with all kinds of things that are not good, look, some of you, if if you're under 25, you may not actually have ever seen a book. It's like everything's on an iPad or a Kindle or whatever. It's like it's all electronic. I asked this one guy, he was like, he just wanted to go round and round. And I'm like, what are you getting at? Oh, you know, they could be texting. Yeah, they could. Or they might actually just be reading their Bible. He says, well, push and swipe, that's not the same thing as turning the page. I said, is the words on the push and swipe the same as the one in your Bible? He said, well, yeah, of course. I said, so what you're saying is you don't like the way they do it. He goes, well, yeah. I said, I don't care what you think. Then neither do they. It's just an opinion. It's not openly sinful. It's not inherently wrong. It isn't the wrong thing on the wrong day. It's just exactly like the situation. Because somebody's reading their Bible on their cell phone, they're somehow going to hell. Of course that's not the case. And just because Jesus chose to heal this man, do a miracle in his life on the Sabbath, didn't make it any less of a miracle. And praise God for that. You see, religion says you got to do it this way. It has to be under these rules and these regulations. And it has to be done exactly this way or it can't be real. Man, can I tell you, I've seen God work in some crazy situations. Things that are about as unchurch as you can possibly imagine. I actually saw a girl get saved in a bikini. Just saying. Gave her life to Jesus right there on the beach. The religious legalist says, well, go cover up, then I'll share Jesus with you. And I'm not saying you should be going out buying no bikinis. 
Just simply saying, don't stuff God in a box and then tell him how he can save people. Amen? And there's a reason for me saying this. We get so hung up on methodology that we forget the message. We get so concerned about how something gets done that we forget what's getting done. And that is exactly what happened in this guy's life. He can see. For the first time in his life, I would think the Pharisees would be going, yay! But instead they're going, oh no, that's not right. Man, how sad is that? How sad is it that you can't rejoice that someone who was blind can now see? Someone that was angry now has joy. Someone that was a drug addict is no longer a drug addict. Someone that was in some horrible relationship has been freed from that and they're walking in the spirit and in truth. You see, he met Jesus who was God. Notice verse 24. And they again called to the man who was blind and said to him, give glory to God. In other words, testify before the Lord. Basically like saying, you need to swear to the Lord God in heaven about what you're going to say right now. We know that this man is a sinner. And they're saying, you agree with us right now. Swear before the Lord that you agree with us. And he answered and said, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. Now, he's not saying Jesus is a sinner He's saying, I never even talked to him. By faith, I believed what he said. We did not converse about his sinfulness or lack thereof. He spit in some dirt, turned it into mud, put it in my eyes, told me to go to the pool of Siloam, wash it out, and I'd be able to see him. When I got back, he wasn't even here. I don't even know these things. It's an amazing scene when you think about it. But one thing I know, I know this is what he's saying, that though I was blind, now I see. You see, that's what mattered. I was blind and now I can see. How he did it, I don't know. I don't know anything about, I just simply believed, I washed, and I can see. That's the important part. He knew by faith that he'd been healed. And then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did you open your eyes? It's like, they will not let this go. It's on the wrong day. You did it the wrong way. And we're just not going to let this go. It's like, what did he do? What words did he say? It's not about the methods. It's about the Messiah. It's about the king. And the king does what the king does because he's the king. Jesus is God. And he can do what he wants when he wants to do it. And he did. And it didn't fit their little narrative. 
This one thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said again to him, what, how did it happen? And he answered, verse 27, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? I love this. It's like he's giving them a lesson in theology right now. He's like speaking right into their hearts. He's like, oh, you must want to know the truth. Because you keep asking me the same question over and over again. I already told you. I don't know. All I know is I can see. And then they reviled him and said, you are his disciples, but we are Moses' disciples. A little indignant there. I, I think that's probably how they intended it. And we know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he's from, which is a flat-out lie. They not only do know where he's from, they've already questioned him. Where are you from? They know exactly where he's from. But they still can't believe that God would have anything to do with Nazareth. And so he just keeps speaking to them. The man answered, why? This is a marvelous thing that you don't know where he's from, yet he's opened my eyes. He's saying, this is great. This is like great theater right here. I'm standing before you. I can see perfectly. I used to be blind. My parents told you I'm him, and I was formerly blind. And you're asking the right questions. But you still don't get it. Now we know that God does not hear sinners. You see, from a Jewish perspective, you had to get right with God in order for God to hear your prayers. That's still the case. Praise the Lord. Now by grace through faith, we have Jesus Christ as our intercessor. And when you say yes to Jesus, God is listening to what you say. He's hearing your prayer and mine. But sin does separate us. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. You know what this guy's doing? Check it out. Look, the fact that I'm sitting here is what he's saying. The fact that I can see is proof positive. This guy's God. Because you're right. God's not listening to the prayers of the sinful. He's listening to the prayers of the righteous. This man has to be righteous is what he's saying. He hears him. And since the world began, it's been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. And if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Because you guys need to get it right. And they answered and said, You were completely born in sins, and you're teaching us? And they cast him out. Said, How dare you? Do you know who we are? I mean, we've been going to the same church for three weeks. You can almost see it. It's just this smugness about which church they're associated with. In this case, which synagogue they were associated with. And in fact, that they're members of the religious leadership of that synagogue. You're going to teach us? You know, there's no better teaching tool than a healed life. Amen? Think about it. There's no one can disprove it. You know who you are. You know what you are. 
You know what you were before you met Jesus, and you know that you are not that anymore, and no one can tell you different. That is proof that God is who he says he is and does what he says he can do. He is in the business of changing lives, and he does so miraculously. And so Jesus was proving, in essence, that that he was God. But they wanted to be like the traditional you know, conservatives or conservatives, if you will. You know, we know Moses. We have the Torah. What do you got, a carpenter from Nazareth? You know, how big's your church building? Well, we don't actually have one. We meet on the beach. We kind of hang out, we do barbecue every once in a while, and there's some trees, and we talk about Jesus. You see, they they couldn't figure out how God would do that. And so they thought they were preserving something, but in essence, in preserving it, they were just embalming the past. They, They were keeping it so that there was no life in anything that they were saying. They were so hung up on what day that they couldn't rejoice that the man could see. Now, don't let that become you. Because without Jesus, we're all still outcasts. But Jesus loves outcasts, amen? He leaves the 90 and 9 and goes after the one. That should tell you about his heart. He's been chasing down the ones, the twos. He's been coming after us in his grace since day one. Preserving tradition does nothing generally. Matter of fact, it usually resists change. Uh, it resists new things. And ultimately, it becomes a resistance to things that God himself is doing. If God does something different. He doesn't do it the same way he did it the week before. Rejoice in it. That's the message of this passage. And we should be rejoicing when we see someone's life change. No matter what we think about how it happened. That person came to faith in Christ on some beach someplace at a beach party. It could be just as valid as coming forward to any altar call in any holy moment in any church. God's grace is sufficient for all of us in every circumstance. And then the third and the final window as we wrap this up. Notice how this portion finally ends. Verse 35, And Jesus heard... That they had cast him out. This man has now, not only has he been healed, but he's also out of a profession. He was formerly a beggar. But it's not going to work real well trying to beg while you can see perfectly. Amen? It's like, well, I'm holding up a sign. I used to be blind. That's not going to work. So he's lost his former profession. He's out of his home. He's been kicked out of his church. He absolutely has nowhere to go and no one to do it with. And Jesus comes alongside and now reaches out to this man. He reaches out to the outcast. And when he had found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of God? Do you believe in the Son of God? That's still the question. Do you believe in the Son of God? Do you believe in this man, Jesus? Do you by faith believe that God is who he says he is? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? 
That's the dividing line. And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? I want you to notice the response of Jesus. And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and he is talking with you. Notice what's missing. Did he send him off to do a six-week course on how to be saved? Did he give him a book to read? Now he just simply says, the one who's talking to you is the Son of God. Believe. Believe in him. And then he said, Lord, I believe. And worshipped him. Gave him honor for who he was, who he is. And Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world. That those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. You, you see, there's two sides of this. You see, like John the Baptist, Nathaniel, Jesus himself, Peter, now this beggar. What makes you a child of God is believing on the only begotten Son of God. That's what makes you a child of God. Amen? It's not church attendance. Now, you can meet God at church. And you can grow in your faith at church, which you should do. We should do. You can grow in faith by reading his word. But one becomes a child of God by believing in the name of Jesus Christ. That he is God's own son. It's not some big complex process. The process of sanctification starts there. That's when it begins. And now all of a sudden you do start concerning yourself with things that would mark you as a child of God. In other words, your changed life is indicative of the lordship of Jesus. And so this man pronounces... I believe. And then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, as in not able to see, you would have no sin. But now you say we see and therefore... Your sin remains. You see, they thought they were seeing it correctly when in fact they were not seeing it all. Because they were trying to see with their eyes. They were trying to understand with their mind. They were trying to reason. And to that end, you can kind of see the dividing line here. The reason for Jesus coming, the Son of Man coming, was to save mankind. The Son of God came into this world that the world through him might be saved. Amen? For God so loved the world. That's why he came. But at the same time, in coming, he also sets in motion this choice, the judgment. Because at the same time, to be saved is to believe, to be unsaved is to not believe. And so there's the judgment. And it's not that Christ is judging for he didn't come into the world that the world should be judged because by sin we're already in trouble, amen? But it might be saved. But at the same time, because he has now come, you have a choice. We have a choice. 
Mankind has a choice, and that choice is very simple. It's to believe or not believe. So that judgment now is in view for everyone. If you, if you don't respond to that, then you are, in essence, judging yourself. The choice is yours to believe and receive grace, become a child of God, or to reject that grace, to want nothing to do with faith, to turn, to walk away, to reject the grace gift. You see, the reason is salvation, but the result is also the condemnation of those who don't believe. The choice is yours. It's so crazy when you think about it, and, it, and it's pictured in a lot of things. Right now I'm kind of getting excited because our flowers are starting to bud and my plumerias are starting to get their first little leaves on them. And it's sun that does that. And as it warms up, all of a sudden life begins to pop out of the ends of these things that look like dead sticks. And I can't wait until they bloom and that incredible, beautiful smell of the plumeria blossom fills up our backyard. But that same sun also does some other things. I got windows to wash. I got walls to wash down from all the winter junk. It it kind of exposes a few other things that need to be taken care of at our house. You see, Jesus does that. The same sun that causes flowers to grow also exposes the bugs in your yard. Jesus came to do both. He says, look, I don't want you to be blind. I want you to see. But in seeing, you've got a choice to make. And this beggar made that choice. This beggar started that path. He looked out the window and he says, I believe. And now all of a sudden he's starting this incredible pattern that we call sanctification. Each day he's going to wake up and he's going to grow a little bit in being like Jesus. And for us, and I want to encourage you right now, it is that simple. We can't explain what happened to this blind man. I can't scientifically tell you how spit plus dirt plus washing washing in a pool made a blind guy see. I, I can't do it. I, I can't tell you how transgressing what to the Jewish people was something quite sacred. The Sabbath was how Jesus was going to accomplish this on a day that everybody was supposed to not work, but Jesus worked by making mud. I can't tell you why God did that that way. I can only tell you exactly what the man declared. All I know is I was blind and now I can see. And in this room are countless stories of exactly the same experience. All I know is I was a drug addict and now I'm clean. All I know is I was an alcoholic but now I'm sober. All I know is my marriage was ruined but God healed our marriage. All I know is I used to be angry and beat people to a pulp, and I now love people. All I know 
as I was blind and now I see. Praise God. That's the story. It's not any more complex than that. Would you stand with me and as we close in prayer. You see this beggar now is on this incredible journey. Because the light went on in his life. And I want to encourage you. Maybe there's some today. Perhaps there, there are some people here today that have yet to say yes to the Son of God. Uh, we want to give you that opportunity. We have a, a prayer team that's available in our prayer room. And I'm going to ask you after service to just simply go over to the prayer room and get with a, one of our prayer team members and just invite Jesus. Say, yes, I believe. And begin the journey just like this blind man. And if that's you, it's that simple. And for those of us that already believe, don't let anyone rob you of your testimony. You know what's happened. And you know how. You believed. And the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, touched your life. And all you know is you're not what you used to be by His grace. Father, thank You for the countless stories of your grace in this room. Lord, that we who have believed and received, Lord, have been healed and touched of so many things. Lord, some of us were blind to some area of sin in our life. Lord, some of us were in relationships that weren't honoring to you. Some of us had habits that were destroying us. Some of us, Lord, were mean-spirited and angry. We walked in bitterness and unforgiveness. But you, Lord Jesus, touched us. And because of that, we now can see. Thank you for being patient and kind with us. Please be patient and kind with all of us in this room. We thank you for that, Lord. And we pray for those right now that do not know you. Lord, would they receive and believe the gift of grace. We thank you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.